This is Corey Gray and Tony Stewart from Hairdistry. Thank you for tuning in to the Hairdressers Podcast. Now here's a word from our sponsors. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When I first found Schedulicity, it was a great way to make appointments from anywhere and really know when I was and wasn't working. Then I started using it for marketing purposes and time management needs. It's been so great. Throughout the years, they've supported me in so many ways. And through their Schedulicity Cares grant, I have been able to make my salon a much more green and friendly environment. It's really meant a lot to me, everything that they've done over the past few years, and especially throughout this shutdown. I mean, it's just an amazing thing to offer your product to people in a time when we need it most. Thank you, Schedulicity. Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno, and this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. And of course, I'm sitting with my best friend, Tone. What's up, buddy? What's going on, homie? You, man. What's going on? Oh, another day in paradise. Another day in paradise. So, uh, listen, we talked about it on a couple podcasts. So, uh, December is uh, December 2020. We're going we're gonna to help you guys celebrate December 2020 by giving you a special little treat. The ultimate, ultimate stylist kit. Yeah, the Ultimate Stylist Kit. Um, if you've heard about it, you know. But uh, if not, real quick, uh, um, uh, Sam Via he uh, he uh, donated a, uh, a couple pa- a couple things to the package. He's going to give us a blow dryer, a flat iron, a couple curling irons, a bunch of styling brushes. Um, uh, Hanzo, Hanzo, you're getting two sets of shears from Hanzo. You're going to get a thinning shears and a shear shear. You're going to get a trimmer and a custom uh, uh, clipper from. Babylus. From Babylus. Um, and then we also have, uh, who else is on there? Uh, Olivia Garden. Olivia Garden. Salon get- Scale. Schedulicity. Uh, even uh, the World by Brits giving away um, those cards. It, it just so many people yeah. from our, I mean, there's so many people are giving away or they contributed to our giveaway, which we wanted to change someone's um, 20. 2020 at the end so they can start yeah, yeah, like, so, so they can start 2021 with with a brand new kit so you know what i mean the so ultimate style over five thousand dollars worth of stuff yeah um so you're going to be able to start the new year um you know with all this new equipment and you know we just want to thank everybody who's participating and we'll put a list out there of everybody who, who's participating but we want to just thank all of our sponsors and we want to make sure that you start this year off right it's going to be awesome um olivia garden what i'm really excited about um what they're what they've donated which is really cool is that they've donated a bunch of ppe stuff so so like let's say like you have clean i don't want to say combs because that comes out of barber side but you can put your brushes in these clean bags so you, and they say 
clean right on it. So your clients know that, that those brushes have been cleaned and that they're ready for you. So there's no, there's no, uh, there's no worry about whether it's clean or not, which is, you know, so much of so much of so much. Um, and real quick, just to, just to back up a little bit, uh, when we originally uh, reached out to the sponsors, it was all about, um, we'd had a big milestone, you know, we, we reached a big milestone and they, um, and they donated this. So this is kind of a milestone. Thank you. As well as a, you know, kick your 2021 off, uh, just right. So just want to clarify there. So there's no hard feelings. Um, but Hey, so our guest today, we, uh, we met him year and a half ago, I guess a year and a half ago it was last August, right? So it was last August. And, um, we met him at the, uh, at the, uh, the the BTC after party. Um, we were at the after party, and uh, our friend Larissa Love introduced us to him. And it was we have to apologize because we tried to get him on the podcast, but you know those things are all chaotic and stuff. But uh, you know it is what it is. But uh, but our, our guest today is Richard Manna, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna enlighten and share and all that stuff. I said you know you know when you said how's your day, I said another day in paradise. But he's literally in paradise. You know what I mean? that's it, right? So you know, especially this time of year, you know, he's down in there when it's in the seventies, maybe sometimes the eighties. Where it's getting cold here, so you know he's in paradise. Well, he he's a. He's a post-COVID guy, right? Because he was in New York during, uh, you know, during the height of COVID, and then he uh, he relocated to Miami because, you know, why wouldn't you? Right? <laughs> you know, if you can, you know. Um, actually, I'd like to talk to him about that, about just the people, all the people that have left New York and stuff. But yeah, that's a whole other story. Should we get in? Let's do it. So, Mr. Richard Mano, welcome to your day off. Thank you, and thank you for having me, guys. Absolutely, man. It was definitely a long time in the making, right? Yeah. <laughs> a, a year and a half to be exact. Yeah, exactly. Every every single day, I'd be. I always check my emails, thinking they're going to email me today. They're going to email me today. They're going to. Like every single day, finally, you guys emailed me a few days ago. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! <laughs> but you know what's you know what's weird about that, Richard, is that. That was like literally one of the last shows we were at, right? We did a few shows after that, but you know, because that was August, and then it slows down in the fall, and then we picked back up. We picked up strong in 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 January, yeah. And then nice and exactly, exactly, and then boom, it just all went away. But but it's good. It's good that you guys are doing, especially during the quarantine season. People are at home. I think you guys just chatting and having a heart to heart with different hairdressers and hearing different perspectives. I think brings hope and encouragement to those who might be facing some certain issues that need a bit of motivation, you know? So thank you to both of you for just keeping that connection going. Even though we're social distancing, we're not social disconnecting, you know? And I think what you guys do is a credit to our industry and a credit to everybody who's a part of it. So thank you. Thank No, thank you. I mean, I, I love that perspective, you know, even though we're social distancing, we're not, so, we're not social disconnecting yet. Right. So I love it. So for all of our listeners, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I was born and raised in Sydney, excuse me, Sydney, Australia, uh, born and raised there. And then when I was 21 years old, I moved to London uh, and to be part of the Tony and Guy team over there. And I lived in London for 11 years, traveled the globe, doing shows, etc. won a few awards. And then I moved to New York, been in New York for the past nine years. And now I'm in Miami, Florida. All right, so we're going to tackle each country one by one. Let's do it. Cool, let's do it. So when you're growing up in Australia, uh, because, you know, for us, you know, I'm thinking Australia, like, you know, this huge, like, kind of crazy country where you have all these dangerous animals and, you know what I mean? Like, 
Was it, is it like that? And then also, did you always know you wanted to be a hairdresser? Um, so Australia is not what a lot of movies make it out to be. There's no like kangaroos hopping around the streets, koalas in every tree. I believe if you go in the middle of Australia, in the outback, you might come across some kangaroos and some animals, but it's like it is here in America. You know, you've got your house, you've got your front yard, your backyard, you've got your palm, you've got your cars. There's no like insects and kangaroos and spiders everywhere. You might see an odd spider here and there, but that's just normal, right? It's nothing... That's dangerous. Right. Uh, I, it, like, like you said, like in the movies, you know, it's like, I got to be careful of every step, right? I'm, I'm going to step on a, something that's going to kill me or, you know what I mean? Something's lurking behind right. a tree that's going to eat me. Or, that's right. <laughs> or there's sharks in every single beach every single day, you know? Yeah. Big, like, great whites breaching to grab the beach goers, right? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Australia is one of the most beautiful countries you will ever, ever go to. Yeah, it is a it's a strong sleeping pill away. In other words, it's 21-hour flight, one good strong sleeping pill. You'll be there in no time. But when you <laughs> land and you meet the people and you enjoy the culture, and you, especially around December to March, April, it's beautiful weather. You go to the beach. It's, it's an experience I encourage everybody to actually take if they can, you know? Um, yeah, we would love to. I, I was watching this uh, cooking show. Uh, it's, it's Cooking with Fire, right? And this guy... Uh, where did he, he went to somewhere in like Serbia or somewhere and he learned from this master guy. And so he's from England and then he goes to Australia to visit and he decided never to leave. He opened <laughs> up a restaurant there and he, and he was just saying how captivating Australia was and wow. how the, how beautiful the people were. And so he decided he was going to stay. And so I have his restaurant marked down at home. So if I ever go to Australia, I want to go yes. visit this restaurant. <laughs> yes. Yes. You have to, you have to. The other question you asked me was how did I become a hairdresser? So I, my grandfather was a barber. He used to cut my uncles and people's hair every week. And Sundays after church, we would go to his house and he would cut my hair, my brother's hair, or my uncle's hair. And I would be the odd one out sitting, always watching him cut hair. I used to love how he would put some music on an old radio and just begin cutting hair. You could see that he was in his zone. And I would just admire how he would passionately cut hair. I always believe some things are taught, other things are caught. And for me, at that early age, I felt like I caught his flair with hair. So then I started cutting my friend's hair at school in the boys' toilets. I started cutting my cousin's hair in the garage. No one had taught me anything. I just had a flair to clip people's hair and maybe cut a little bit with the scissors. And from that point, you just gradually moved forward. And then I started working in a local salon. That's awesome. I could, when he was telling that story about his grandfather, I could literally hear the scissors closing. Yes. <laughs> yes. You know? Right. And, and he had the old machine for the clippers. You know the no. one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. yeah. yes. That is awesome. If you're just listening in, it's the old clippers with the, with the squeeze trigger, right? Like That's you had to squeeze right. it. Yeah, yeah. That's, That's right. awesome, man. Did he, did he leave those to you? Do you have those? I have those safely somewhere. And one day I want to, create like a cool glass box with some light and have his scissors, his comb, his little brush, all of his equipment there. You know, every time I open up that bag and have a whiff of it, it reminds me of my grandfather. And he was a special man. He was a very special man. Does it smell like talk powder? It smells like a bit of that powder. It smells like some old men's fragrance because he used to always, he used to also shave and he used to have that string in his mouth and, and, and take off the hair from the cheeks of my 
uh, uncles that maybe had a little bit of hair through here. So right. he, he would never shave it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the, the threading. The yeah, threading. The threading. Exactly. He would also do that. And uh, he would put all the old aftershave fragrances. So I, I have that smell coming out of that bag. That's so cool. Isn't it it's amazing crazy. about smell, how smell brings you right back? I think, I think, I think it's the... I think where where it's in your brain, like located, like yeah. the smell, the olfactory is, is right next to your memory. Um, it's really close to like your memory slot. So it's like th- they work hand in hand with it. It's special. Uh, it's so special how a smell can bring back a memory and take you to a place in your past. Very, it's very not, powerful. It's not just the memory. It also like, it'll bring you back to the feeling. Yes. Right? It'll be like, like you'll smell something. You're like, oh, I know that feeling. It's not yes. about what I remember, but it's yeah. about what I feel. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It's the emotion. So, yeah. so was your parents uh, cool with you uh, diving into hair? Yeah, they've always, always been supportive with anything that I've wanted to do. Um, and when I began to pursue hairdressing, especially at school, they were just like, you're like your grandfather. You got your grandfather's hands, you know? So they were always very supportive of that. And they've always been proud of everything that I've done every point uh, of my career. So, yeah, they have been very supportive. They must miss you though, huh? Because you haven't been home in a lot of years. Yeah, I, I I try to go every December, January, where education for us is a little bit quieter, and I want to spend Christmas and New Year with my family. It's so important for me to start my year with my family. This year is not going to happen because of more reasons than one. But in Australia, they're making everybody flying in to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel, and I've got to pay for it. So I don't want to spend three grand sitting in a hotel for two weeks to see my family for another two three weeks. So I said, when it reopens again, I will go and, and visit. But uh, love Australia. I love visiting Australia. But thank God for technology and thank God for FaceTime. Yeah, I speak to my parents every single week, almost every single day. That's so, awesome. Very, very thankful. When I first, first moved to London, uh, we would have to buy a separate card for about 10 pounds, go into a store, dial it, I think, on a computer and speak to them for like five minutes and then it's over. Then Skype got introduced and now FaceTime. So it's like having a real-time conversation with someone that's in Australia. It's changed everything dramatically, especially for me and my family. That's amazing. We, we've actually, we've done, I think we've done two podcasts from Australia. Yeah, yeah. I think we've done two podcasts from Australia. And it's like, it's pretty cool, man. It's like, like if you're old enough to kind of remember, if you're old enough to remember, like you didn't even call anybody in, in the next state over because there was long distance charges, right? And now to think that you talk to someone completely free, you know, yeah. with yeah. video across yeah. the world, you know? It's crazy. It is kind of, it is very, very crazy. How old were you when you, uh, when, when you got, when you were like serious about hairdressing, like, okay, I'm, I'm really going to pursue this. So I started cutting when I was 13, 14 years old. And then when I left school, I left a little bit earlier because I hated school. I wasn't good at school. Uh, I was good socially, but I wasn't <laughs> great at doing homework, you know. Right. Um, so it was 16 years old when I officially began working in the salon. Wow. Did you apprentice or did you go to uh, hair school? So I, I started in a local salon. Uh, back then, it was called Anton's. And all I would do was shampoo, sweep the floor, you know, starting from the bottom. Uh, and then Anton himself came to the store and said, we're closing the store down because the building, uh, knocking it down and revamping the whole building. And he had no other opportunities for me in other salons. I was like, cool. I was 16, 16 and a half years old. I only worked there for four months. I was like, cool, whatever. So I left. And long story short, um, I was driving in Sydney one Friday night, late, like one o'clock in the morning, then came home about eight o'clock in the morning. We, we hung out all night. 
And as we came back on Oxford Street, which is one of the main strips in Sydney, the red light happened and my, we stopped at the red light. And on my left was a salon called Tony and Guy. I had no idea who they were. So I, I'm like, wow, look at this salon. It's packed at nine o'clock in the morning, 8.30 in the morning. My friend pulls over on a busy, busy street, puts his hazards on and says, go in there and leave your name. I'm like, no, let's just go home, man. He goes, go in there and leave your name. I was like, uh, okay, cool. I, I you know, built up a little courage, went in there, said, hi, my name is Richard. I'd love to leave my name. Long story short, they took my name. They gave me a call. They asked for an interview and I got the job. And from this job, this has led me to travel to London, to travel to New York, to travel all around the world and do shows and all this exciting stuff that I've done by simply allowing the light to be red, walking in there and leaving my name. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Are you still in contact with your friend? Uh, I haven't seen him for so long, but I always give him credit. You know, I I don't even know if he's got his contact because his last name is Croatian. His name is Rob, but his last name was weird. So I can't even find him on social. I need to reach out to him, actually. Yeah, because who would have ever thought that, like you said, at a red light, your friend saying you need to go in there, that would change the trajectory of your life. You know, it's. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to add to this story. If I've been out from 1am to 8am, I've got a lot of courage at 8am. <laughs> Trust me. I needed it, man. I needed it. <laughs> it's crazy how things, you know, I always use this illustration. If I was to fly from Miami directly to Australia and I was literally just five degrees off, I'm going to end up in a complete different country and a complete different destination. And I think life and decisions really determine our destination. And that's why it's so important to not make emotional decisions, but make wise decisions that line up your decisions with your destiny. Because sometimes we can make quick emotional decisions and we can end up in a complete different country, if you know what I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think we've all been there, right? We've all made emotional decisions that we kind of have to think back and go, yeah, maybe that wasn't the, the, the wisest way to do it. I think, I think that's what age gives you though, Richard, right? Yes. Re- yes. Age gives you like, all right, let's make a, let's make a rational decision and not an yeah. emotional one. And if you're in that emotional one, when you get older, you realize that you're in an emotional brain. I think Correct. The thing when you're young is like, you don't even know you're in an emotional that's brain. That's right. right. That's good. That's good so, tip. Absolutely. So, uh, so as you get older, you kind of like, oh, I'm being emotional now. Let's not make yeah. any rash decisions, you know? Yeah. Let me wait a couple of days. Let me just chill. Let me think about it. Let me wait a couple of days. Let me talk to someone about it, get another perspective, and then make a decision. All yeah. I know is when I tell my wife she's being making an emotional decision, I get a fryer pan upside my head. <laughs> <laughs> I, was saying, I, was saying, I was saying your head is quite squirrely. That's awesome. So then, so so how long did you work at uh, Tony and Guy before you uh, you made the grand trip to uh, to uh, uh, England? Yeah, so I worked with them for seven years, starting as a first-year apprentice, worked my way up. It wasn't easy, man. It wasn't easy at all. But the foundation of my education and training was very good and very, very strong. Um, And then when I won some awards in Australia, I won like New Talent of the Year. I won Newcomer of the Year. I made it on the Australian Fame team. They choose four hairdressers under 25 to be on the Fame team. They fly you all around the world doing all this exciting stuff. Richard, is the Fame team a TG thing? No, it's, it's an Australian and British fellowship hairdressing thing. So what they do every year in the UK and in Australia, 
They choose four young artists, I believe under 25, and you enter by entering pictures and maybe doing some presentations and the judges will narrow it down to four people. Once they've chosen the four people, the, the hairdressing industry in Australia, it's my brothers, the Australian Hair Fashion Awards. They run and own the Australian Hair Fashion Awards. They fly them to London. They fly them to New York. They fly them to LA. They work with me. We do a photo shoot day. We do a presentation skills day. They work with maybe someone like Larissa in LA. They work with someone like Errol Douglas, Angelo Seminara in the UK. And they have this experience that is invaluable. It's unbelievable the experience that they get. And I had the opportunity to be on the fame team. I flew to London and worked with some different artists to be on stage. And I'll tell you something, it was an incredible, incredible experience. And what it did, it opened up my vision and my eyes to something that I could step into with my career. And thankfully, I have stepped into doing shows, doing photo shoots, doing education all around the world because I caught and saw that and was exposed to it at a young age. That's like crazy, right? That's so, so cool. So, all right. So you, you're under 25 at that time yes. and you got selected. Was your grandfather still around? And did you ever have that conversation with your grandfather, like your grandfather back then? Yeah, I wish I was, when I went to um, the UK, I was 20s old when I got chosen and my grandfather had passed when I was 11. I, I believe, oh. you know, from up there, he, he's looking down, smiling and very, very proud. Even my father and his brothers, my uncles, would say he would be very, very, very proud of you. You know, and that means the world to me to hear that. It's kind of amazing, actually, if you think about it, like think about where that seed was when he was such a young man. And now, like, you know, just kind of, I mean, you know, Richard's everywhere, man. By the time he was 20, he's traveling. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't even in hair school at 20, right? (laughs) That's so crazy, man. So, so, hey, did you, um, did you work with, uh, did you work with Kevin Luckman? Yes, yes, I did. He's one of my boys. I love Kevin. Kevin joined the um, team many years after I was already in the London Academy. And then he joined and I actually had the opportunity to train him uh, of doing presentation skills and demonstration because as a senior international artistic director for Tony and Guy back then, we would have every two weeks, we would have training for all of the educators. So I, I took care of group two. So you've got group one, the beginners, group two, when they're starting to do demonstrations and group three, where we're just getting him ready to become an art director. So Kevin was one of the guys in my classes and he always had great energy, great passion. And uh, I've always loved working with Kevin. He's a great guy. Have you guys worked with him or have you guys done a podcast with him? Yeah, yeah we did. a po- Actually, that same yeah. weekend. That's it. We did. We, we, uh, we talked to him at BTC and when oh, nice. it was in BC uh, that same weekend, we, we had actually, we rented an apartment across the street from the facility. Yeah. And, and we, we created a little uh, podcast studio That's in there. We got some, we got some good podcasts um, out of that. So yeah. Clever. We, what well, was so weird, like we were thinking about like we'd get a hotel room at, like everyone does there. And yeah. then we're like, how weird would it be to be to say, hey, Richard, come on over here. Have a seat on our bed because, you know, hotel room <laughs> is only a bed. You know what That's I mean? Right. And then we were kind of like balancing on a bed trying to get an interview. <laughs> so um, we just got an Airbnb at an apartment across the street so we could actually set, you know, we could do it so properly. Good. You know, we could do like a proper a proper interview there. Yeah. So, so yeah. clever. Yeah, well, we didn't know, Trump, we didn't know what we were going to do with that. <laughs> did you know, um, did you know uh, the Bloody Butcher? Because didn't he come up through TG2? Not through the UK. I've met him a couple of times. Uh-huh. And I recently did a show in Sweden last year uh, for this big um, organization there. And they've asked me to do another one next year, which is awesome. And I actually saw him there, him and his team. They were, they're so funny. They're so raw. 
Oh my and, they, and they're talented, you know. It's, it's a different vibe, but a very needed and cool vibe. And I thought what they did and the way they communicate and the execution of the haircuts was on point. Don't know him much, met him here and there, but I'm not like, I don't know him like I know Kevin. Right. That's all. We love Kevin, by the way. Just what, what a sweetheart of a guy. And Yeah. 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 And a phenomenal hairdresser. Yeah. Very. And he's he's a clever guy. He's just opened up a studio in the UK and he's an amazing photographer. I don't know if you yeah. guys know. He's an incredible photographer. Actually, we know him better as a photographer yeah. than we do as a um as a hairdresser. Yeah. Because we actually when we were at ICE this year, he was uh he was he was doing some uh photos. I'm pretty sure he took our picture at some point <laughs> to, at ICE this this weekend because um uh, we work with Schedulicity, and Schedulicity hired him as 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 a photographer to get some headshots and stuff that weekend. Nice. So yeah, nice. we love Kevin. Um, he was telling me he spent like I think a week or two trying to retouch you guys, but eventually, <laughs> eventually it came out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he quit. He definitely quit. Man. <laughs> that's, that's why he said he was supposed to. Somehow we got edited out. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he took someone else's head and put it on your body. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Guys. Uh, whatever you don't, you don't have to apologize. You get a ball bust, just ball bust. All right, man. That's totally we're, we're homies already. Exactly. That's hilarious. That's great. So, how long were you? How long were you in London? With Tony, I was, I was, with Tony and Guy. I was in London for eleven years, man. Eleven years, long time. Especially when you're solar powered, because there's no sunshine, not much sunshine there at all. But I tell you, London was a great experience. You know, the creativity in London is very rebellious. And I think I love that. You know, when you think of designers like Alexander McQueen or Vivian Westwood, or all these different British designers, and even when you walk around the streets of London, there's a lot, it's, it's a lot edgier and I think cooler than if you would walk around the streets of Miami and even. You know, a lot of parts of New York. There's just a real cool sense of rebellion when it comes to being creative in London. So I was fortunate enough to to live there for 11 years and be exposed to it and to be a part of it and then to come over to the UK. But London's awesome. London's a, a city I encourage everyone to at least visit because it's such a cool vibe. Have you guys been? Yeah, we were there early 1990s. We were there. Yep. Yeah. I've been there three or four times. That's right, because you went. Oh, actually, you know, he participated in the alternative hair show that was at the Royal, Royal, Royal Hall, right? Yeah, Robert. Royal Albert Hall. Hey, thank Royal you. Albert Albert Hall. I, I got yeah. stuck on Royal and Albert, and I was saying Robert. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing experience. That what, did you, what did you do? Who did you work with? Uh, we were with. I was with PR and Partners. Yeah. Uh, we came from uh, the DC area. There. Um, I've done yeah. some educa- I've done some education for that place. Oh really? Yeah, 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 yeah. PR and partners. I've done some education for for them. Some yeah, great people. Uh, great people. Yeah, yeah. I was there for twenty years. But wow. it, uh, so you know, we went to it was probably in the late nineties or. But anyways, right. we did uh we did um our interpretation of Pandora's box. Nice. And um it and it was phenomenal. We had a great time, and uh it, I loved the way the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, the the way it just the seats were going straight up yeah. and it's just it's like a wall beautiful. of people right oh my god it's beautiful it's majestic yes yeah yeah that that's yeah. the word that's the word you know a quote that I heard about you were talking about fashion and stuff a quote that I heard I'm gonna get back on rebelling 
I'm, we're rebelling what a traditional hairdresser looks like, right? So, <laughs> exactly. I know. I don't know what he was thinking when he met at the DPC. Right. Like, Thank God Larissa introduced us, otherwise he would have paid us no mind. <laughs> but uh, so a quote that I heard about London was that um, that that the streets dictate the fashion, whereas New York, the fashion dictates the street. Mm. And, and I've always and I've always thought about that, you know, whenever you see and when we were there, it was definitely like the fashion was definitely That's on true. the street. You That's know, true. That's a, I've never heard that before. And I have to say that is true. A lot of what you see on the streets, you know, even in the academy, we would have people come in, color their own hair, cut it and say, could you fix it? And you look at it and think it looks amazing. It actually looks cool. It could be a source of inspiration for us if we as hairdressers can put lenses of new eyes to appreciate things. Uh, rather than being so boxed up with what's right and what's wrong, you know? And so many times when I'm on my scooter in the UK and in London, you're constantly bombarded with imagery, whether it's on the buses, whether it's on the front stores, whether it's the billboard. So just as someone who's passing by, you're constantly being educated on what's on trend, what's in fashion, because you're constantly bombarded with incredible campaigns, you know? Um, so I, I do agree with what you said. I think a lot of the fashion on the streets really inspire a lot of the designers that are launching on the catwalks. You know, you brought up, uh, you brought up when you first started with Tony and Guy, how difficult or not difficult, that's the wrong word, but how challenging the, um, the, the education was. Mm. Does that go all the way back to Vidal? Cause it kind of seems like, you know, Vidal created these like really strict rules as about how we're going to do this. And then every other brand that came after that kind of incorporated, you know, like these really strict kind of uh, yes, uh, education. Yes. They have, they have something similar, you know, with Tony Guy, before you're qualified, you've got to do something called vartering, which means to learn or to watch. And I believe the students have that as well. It's a six-week program every single day. And you we, we cover all the techniques of hairdressing, whether it's on one length, whether it's layering, whether it's graduation, it's all there. And it's not just about covering it. It's about helping them perfect it. So if there's a little finger mark, because I would be one of the assessors teaching and training them. If there was a slight finger mark or it was slightly off with the angle, it's a fail. They have to do it again. And I remember when I was growing up and learning the disciplines of hairdressing, I would spend two hours getting this haircut perfect, balanced, the natural inversion perfect. And there'll be a little finger mark and they would fail me. I'm like, are you guys serious? I would sometimes get so frustrated to the point of almost like, am I even good enough to pass this and, and qualify? But I'll tell you what I did do. It made me stronger. It made me better. It made me more disciplined as a hairdresser. If all I had was, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I wouldn't have grown. You know, and, and I, I, I use this example and I want to share this because maybe this will help somebody listening. <clears throat> I remember being in that, difficult challenging time i felt like i was being stretched and i was feel, i felt like i was going backwards and i heard someone say this to me out of the blue someone came up to me and said richard your life right now is like a slingshot you feel like you're being stretched you feel like you're going backwards but the further you're being stretched and the further backwards you're going means the further and higher you're going to be launched and i'll tell you what that's i've experienced that and seen that in my life on many different levels and i think someone that might be listening might feel like they're being stretched, might feel like they're working and working hard and doing everything right. And they feel like they're being stretched and feel like they're going backwards. Hang in there because the further you feel stretched and the further back you're going, the higher and further you're going to be launched into your career. I really believe that with all my heart. 
I love that. That's a great analogy. It really is. It's very inspirational. It gives you kind of you know, hope and, 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 and just, I, yeah, that's awesome, brother. It's Thanks, the perseverance man. that is going to, you know, launch you forward. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So what was your family's reaction when you said, Hey, I'm going to London, you know, because did, did Tony and Guy say, Hey, you want to come to London or is this something you'd be in 20 saying, you know, what, I, I want to change. Well, it was kind of both. I, I won the, all the awards in Australia, made the fame team. I felt like Alice in Wonderland that just grew out of the house and it was getting a little bit too, too big, not in terms of pride, but in terms of opportunities. And then I said to my family, I want to go to London. And the, the managing director of Australia made a few phone calls. And Anthony Moscolo and Gary Franz and some people had come that I had worked with said, we would love to have you over in London. So in my mind, I was like, okay, that's the next step. So I told my mom and dad, guys, I'm just going to go for one year. Go for 12 months and I'll be back. So we packed my bags. They got emotional and sad. One year literally went like that. So I ended up staying for two years. And then at the end of my second year, I was like, okay, I want to keep going because I've worked so hard doing all the things that I didn't want to do to begin to do the things that I want to do, like to travel and to do photo shoots, et cetera. But my two-year visa ended and Tony and I have never, ever sponsored anyone in the history of their company since back in the 60s. And then long story short, I bumped into Sasha Mascola, who's Tony's daughter. She found out that I was leaving. I was like, yeah, you guys don't sponsor anyone. She was like, well, do you want to stay? I said, I'd love to stay. She goes, let me speak to my father, Tony, tonight, and we will do everything we can to keep you here. Long story short, they ended up sponsoring me, and they ended up keeping me, and I ended up living there for 11 years, which went so fast, you know? That's crazy. But I will say this, you know, I, I sacrificed living in Australia in the comfort of my family in great weather to go to London with cold weather, being alone, working hard. And, and, and for someone that might be listening, I, I want to say this, the greater the sacrifice, the greater the reward in life, the lower the sacrifice, the lower the reward. So in life, you have to sometimes step out, pay the price, pay the sacrifice of whatever it is that is comfortable to grow and to spread your wings and fly with your own talent. And I think looking back, I have zero regrets. I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't pay those early sacrifices early in my career. It's actually, it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because it kind of reminds me of compounded interest, right? But, but, but you're paying the compound, you're prepaying the compound, right? You're making all the sacrifice to, to you know, you're, you're making all that and to to grow later maybe maybe my analogy is backwards but you know, it's like comp- no it's right it's compounded no. interest right so yeah. you, you're sacrificing now to for the reward later of course so, of course so so 11 years go by you're still with tony and guy um and then i know you came to new york but yeah. were you, did you think about going back to australia before you came to new york or you knew you wanted to come to new york i, I so i towards the end said to Tony, I want to move to New York because we came here, we launched the products that I was working for back then, back then excuse me. And he goes, uh, Sasha will be upset because she loves you. You know, she, she'd want you to be on the art team. I said, I, I had to move. So we made an agreement. I came here to run their product through the education. It was back then, it was called Label M. I think it, it's still called Label M. So I came here, I started building a team. We started doing shows at Behind the Chair. We started doing shows all over the country and we started gaining a lot of uh, momentum. So that's how I kind of moved from the UK 
to New York. If that didn't happen, I would have probably left the UK and gone back to Australia. But there was something about New York City that I just fell in love with when I first came. And I just thought, I belong here. And I still love New York City. Best city in the world. You know, the day life, the night life, the people, the energy. So I lived there. A couple of years later, we, we kind of demerged. Um, and then I went on my own. Long story, which I don't want to get into too much detail about. Um, and then I got shortly picked up by Joico afterwards. And now I'm their global artistic director. And I still do everything I love doing in terms of shoots, shows, videos, etc. But with Joico. And they're such a great brand to work with, I have to say. That's amazing. Rich, I want to bring you back a little bit. Like, so you leave Australia, you go, you go to London, you're 20 years old. And, and like, you must have felt like you were hot shit. Have you had to, have you had to, um, have you had to challenge your own ego or has your, ha, have there been times in your life where like your ego got, got ahead of you? I, I'm a big believer and I'm not perfect at this, but I'm a big believer of being very, very confident, but being also very, very humble. For me, I'm quite spiritual. Um, and I, I don't believe in religion. I believe in relationship with God, not to get overly spiritual. And I know where my gifts, my talents, I know where my opportunities come from. And I think that's helped me to remain grounded in my career and in my life. And if ever I feel like I've, I'm too good for myself, I want someone to smack me back down quickly because I think pride comes before a fall and there's nothing, nothing attractive about an arrogant person. But I will say this, sometimes confidence and arrogance can be misunderstood someone that can be very very confident in what they do can come sometimes come across arrogant if that makes sense you know i think it's important to remain confident confident because your confidence is what's going to allow you to step out of the comfort zone jump on stage in front of thousands of people and connect with people but arrogance is like you just you think you're above everybody and you talk down to people and that for me has never been a part of the way i educate or the way i am as a human being man I think arrogance lives in insecurity and confidence lives in security. I think that that's the, that's, that's, right. that, 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 that's the key there. Hey, do you, um, do you still have a relationship with Sasha? Um, we, we text from time to time, but it, it's not as close as it was before. When I went to London, even after I wasn't with them, um, Tony had passed a couple of years ago. So mm-hmm. I reached out to her. So I'd love to, she was, please, I would love to see you. And I'm sure my, my, my father loved you so much. We'd love you to come. We'll organize you some tickets for the show. So we flew there. I went to the show and I tried to meet with Sasha after the show. And she was texting, please come. And I tried. It was just too difficult. I ended up having to leave. And then she's like, please, please, please come and see me tomorrow. We're doing a conference. I would just want to see you. So I'm, it was my last day in London. I went and saw her. We hugged it out. We talked and it, it, we left. I left with a beautiful union there that, you know, with no bad feeling or bad energy. And that for me is important. No matter what, no matter what I do in my future, even if I never, ever do anything with them again, it's good to leave with peace, you know? That's, that's awesome. That's beautiful, bro. She, she's, she's a great leader. She's a hairdresser. She's a creative. And I loved working with Sasha. She would always request for me to be on the main shoots, the main videos, the main shows. And she really, truly gave me a lot of opportunity, including being sponsored to be with the company. So even when I won my award, when I won London Hairdresser of the Year, the British Hairdressing Awards in 2011, I went up there and I said, I'd like to really give a big shout out to Sasha Moscolo Tabak. And I got everyone in the room to give her a big hand. And that's what I believe. I believe 
we should honor those who have helped us along the way, not forget them. And there's a difference between respect and honor. I can respect you from a distance. Respect is passive. Honor is active. When you honor somebody, it's something that you do publicly and it's something that takes action. And I think we should never, ever, ever forget to honor those who have helped us along the journey. Boom. Wow. That's, dude, well said. And, and we believe you, you that. You guys agree, right? You guys agree? Oh, wow. yeah, I was going to say, yeah, we, you definitely what you articulated gave us the words, right? That That's exactly it. That's the difference between respect and honor, right? It's like, mm. it, are you passive or are you active, you know? Yes. So, and actually, I got to tell you, when you said that, I go, you know what? I need to, like, I need to do one or two things. Either I need to stop using the word honor because I think I probably overuse it, but you're right. Mm. It, it should be, it, it should be saved for those that you, that, that you actively, whatever I'm trying to say, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. It shouldn't be just said so commercially. It's valuable. It's weighty. And we should give it to those that deserve it rather than just spill it everywhere on everybody, so to speak. I, I, I'm going to hold that word closer to closer to my chest a little bit because you're absolutely right. You know, am I being active? And that, that's the test. But it could also be used in the sense of not necessarily that help you, but we can, from our perspective, that help this industry to help this industry to make it better, to make Absolutely. it stronger, to make it what it is today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. I, I'm so big on speaking life. And I did a whole talk on the power of words. Your words form your wealth. And we can use words to build people. Or we can use words to crush people. And I'm not just talking about the words we speak. I'm talking about the words that we comment. And I think we've got to be careful because we as an industry are much stronger united than being divided. I always, always say that. So I always say, if you haven't got nothing positive to say, don't say it. Let's be a people that speak life because how can a well bring fresh water and bitter water? It's either going to be bitter water or it's going to be fresh water. And I've made a decision in my heart of hearts that I'll always speak life. I always want to elevate people. I always want to encourage people. And I think that's attractive as a hairdresser, but that's how the basis of education should be. Education should be about elevating others, not elevating yourself. You know, I think if we have that perspective, we'll be mindful on what we comment on people's videos. Sometimes people, I guess, hurt people, hurt people, right? And people that are hurt sometimes want to hurt other people. And I think we've got to check that. It's a heart issue. We've got to check that and check what we're actually uh, doing in terms of building, are we building people? Is this comment going to encourage or discourage someone? You know, and I think we need to be more mindful of that, especially on social media. Yeah, and not necessarily react. We talked about earlier uh, in this conversation about reacting, right? And and if someone does put something out there, you know, a lot of times your natural behavior is, is that you want to react to it. But if 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 you're bigger, or it, it, you can check your pride or check your ego, and just you know what I mean, knowing that maybe they are hurting. And yeah. if you respond in a different way, you might affect yeah. them in a different way. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, yeah. And I've done that sometimes. Sometimes I feel like saying, you know, <laughs> I take a deep breath. I don't make emotional decisions. Mm-hmm. And I respond and I try to respond in love just to help them understand maybe why I've done a certain thing. I don't respond to everybody. Some people are just haters and I haven't got the energy to waste. But if someone's really concerned or had mentioned something to do with a technique or to do with something, I would love to kind of respond and explain in love to help them understand why I've done what I've done, so to speak, you know? Yeah, it's funny because as as my kids were growing up and they would leave the house to go to school, and I, I would tell my last words to them, I said, look, 
I said, no matter what happens to you today, always remember yeah. you are blessed and highly favored. Beautiful. And they would walk out the door. You know what I mean? And that's take but that see, see on. What see what you've done? You've spoken life. Yeah. You've spoken words that have encouraged them and reminded them who they are so that when anyone else would try to throw words at them, there's already a weightier word that's come from daddy of who we are. It doesn't matter what you think, but that's the power of words. And that's powerful what you do. Don't underestimate the power of the seeds you're sowing with the words you're speaking over your children's life. And I think a lot of children lack that. Sometimes it could be the opposite where people will speak negativity and you're not good enough. You'll never amount to anything. Hey, that's not going to help anybody. That's actually setting them up to fail rather than using words to build and encourage. You know, I have a really good friend that gave me great words once. And, and as a parent, you know, when, when our kids mess up, we want to like, we want to discipline that, yes. right? Or we want to, or we want to let you know how much you, 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 uh, you messed up. But, um, but the, the words of encouragement that I received is like you, when your kids mess up or when let's, let's use the whole industry and not necessarily mess up, but, but that's the time where we need love. Like when your kids mess up, that's not the time to come down on them. That's the time to build them up. And that's the time to give them love. And, and, and it was really, really great advice um, that, 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 that follows me every day. Right. And, and I think the same way, and I think you were kind of saying it too, is that, you know, you have, you have the opportunity here to like, like you said, speak life into this. Yes. Or to destroy this or to move on. I mean, you know, if you don't like it, move on is my, yeah. is certainly where I live. But, uh, but yeah, just, that's an opportunity for you to be there. Cause it, when they mess up, it's a, you know, they need you more now than they ever needed you. Right. Yes. So are you going to be there for them? Are you going to, you know what I mean? Are you, are you going to validate their fear? You know what I mean? And they can't come to you or tell you anything, but yeah, that's. And, 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 and on that point, Tony, like now, and I'm not saying that our industry's messed up because I don't think we've messed up, but I think we're hurting more now as an industry yeah. with COVID and the way that COVID's have affected businesses, have affected our clientele and stuff. This is the time as an industry, each one of us has to stand with each other. Yes. It's the time to hold hands. It's the time yes. to do the group hug. Yes. You know, from a social distance space. Yes. You know, yes. you know, but but right now is the great is the greatest opportunity for hairdressers to stand for hairdressers. You know, let's let's I don't want to say push the brands away, but 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 right now it's not their story, it's our story. Yeah, it's survival, absolutely. Absolutely. That's very well said, man. I, I'm a, I'm a big believer of that, especially during this time. It's an opportunity to stand with each other hand in hand. I totally agree with that. Awesome. So Man, because it, dude, I, I, I think we're very light, light, kind of, kind of, not minded, but spirited. You know what I mean? Yeah, the way you feel, uh, and how you're talking is really speaking with me because that's how I, I feel. Mm. So, so you joined Joyco when you were in New York. Yes. How long? were you in New York? I knew how long you were in New York, but how long were you with Joyco in New York before you went south? I think about five years. So the first three years I was with uh, Tony Guy London slash Label M. And then in uh, 2015, I think it was, I um, joined with 2015, 16, I, I started doing some work with Joyco. Uh, and it, one thing led to another where I would do a photo shoot they liked it. They would fly me back to LA to do a video. They liked it. I kept going back and forth doing all this cool um, content. And I was working closely with Valerie, who, who runs the marketing department um, in Joyco. And she's such a great leader. And then, and then 
there was a big show they were doing in Punta Cana. It was called Global Destination Education. It was for one week. They invite all of their VIPs from all over the world to come. And every day they would have a big major artist or a group of artists. So they asked me to come to do some backstage blow dries just to help style all their models' hair. And then one of the artists had just signed with another brand. So there was an opening on Thursday. So you had Vivian McKinnon there. You had all these big, big, big artists. And so Thursday was open and they called me and they said, Richard, would you be able to do a show for us? It's a two hour and 15 minute show. It'll be just you. I'm like, yeah, no problem. I've been doing these shows for many, many years all over the world. So I had been you know, prepared. So I got some videos together. Uh, Mark Bustos flew in. My brother flew from Australia. I thought, why don't we get these guys to come up for five minutes? Two hours is a long time. Like, let's yeah. be honest. So I did the show, got Mark to say, if you know, have five, seven minutes. He got everyone crying. He's amazing. I love Mark Bustos. You guys should do a, a chat with him. He's a dear friend of mine. And um, you might have brother, to put a good work in for us. A good word in for us because we kind of messed that up, but we'll tell you okay. about that. Go okay. ahead. I got you. I got you. And uh, my brother Dave is a photographer, so I got him to come up and just give us a perspective from a photographer's point of view. But the rest of the two hours in a bit was just me doing models on stage. And the feedback that they got, I believe, was extremely, extremely good. Um, and so from that point on, they said, we would like to have you as our global artistic director. So from that point on, we began to negotiate and, and I've been their global art director. And I'm so, so happy. The people, the products, the culture, um, the, the whole way of education and their belief and investment in education is so close to my heart. And it's like a perfect marriage for us at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, how do you like that building in LA? The what? The building, building? Yes, the, the Henkel building. Oh, yeah. we, were there, we were there a couple of years ago. Holy cow, is that a nice <laughs> setup? Nice academy as well, isn't it? It's right. It's oh. amazing with that screen. So I've done some presentations there. We've trained a whole bunch of people there. We've launched a few products there. It's a great, great building to be able to do some presentations and education in for sure. That's awesome. Hey, you brought up the word leadership. What's that mean to you? Leadership? Hmm. Someone who... Wow, that's a big question just to drop like that. Leadership is someone what, who, what makes a good leader from your perspective? Someone who leads with integrity, with courage, with humility. Someone who allows their walk to speak louder than their talk. It's not just doing, people don't do as you say, they do as you do. So I think leading by example and being integral and being honest and being humble and being committed and being positive and being loving. I think all of these attributes, I guess, impact someone who's a great leader, but someone who allows their walk to speak louder than their talk. Because for me, the worst thing as a leader is to say one thing and then do another thing. Better you don't say it. People say, practice what you preach. I say, preach what you practice. Do it first and then share what you've been doing because that way you know and I'll know that it works rather than speaking out of the side of your mouth and doing something else. For me, that that's the worst kind of a leader in my books. Mm. Right? This is really good. Love to know your perspective, and what would you guys add to that? I mean, I think I think you're right on. I mean, I think that I think that you know, I, I think compassion is part of that. You yeah. know, I think I think we need. I think it's really good to understand. You know, some you know know your walk, but it's also good to understand, and not that you have to understand fully, but to understand that somebody else has had a walk. Yes. 
you know, and, and, yes. and, and, and how to, and, and how to be compassionate and how to meet you where, how to meet them where they are, yes. not have them meet you where you are, because, because there'll never be, there'll never be communication at that point, right? You have to meet them to where they, where they are, whether that's in life, whether that's an experience, whether that's, and then whatever. you can lead them to where you are. That's yes. it. Yeah. yeah you have to be like, you have to be that conduit. You've got to, you know, hold their hand and, yep. and pull them along. But, but, but if you expect them to meet you at the mountaintop, no. you know, sometimes that's a hard struggle. But you, it's, you gotta... it's a journey. And, and I think as a leader, because when I was um, uh, asked to be the manager of the flagship academy in London for Tony and Guy, I was in a leadership role. In my mind, it wasn't like, okay, you do this for me. You can do that for me. It was totally the opposite. It wasn't about how you can serve me. It's how can I serve you to have a great day how can i make this day go smooth for everybody and that i think is a good perspective for any kind of leader rather than thinking i'm a leader now i'm in a position now start delegating you do this you do that i think there is a space for delegation of course because you're responsible but have the mindset of how can i serve you rather than how you can serve me as a leader i think helps in many ways I love that because um, yeah, we're shoulder to shoulder. I'm not. I'm not in front of you. You know what I mean. I'm gonna. Correct. We're gonna walk. We're gonna do this together. Yes. And, and I think there's also a space like even if you're like a first year assistant or you're a first year tech um, or wherever you are in your career. I think. I think too, you can be a leader by by one by using one tool, and that tool is to always be predictable in your in your response to stuff. Mm. Mm. Right. So like so like we talked about earlier, like if, if you live in that pride and you react with that pride, you're going to get a negative you're going to get a negative response to that. But if if Richard has bad news or has difficult news for me and I can kind of own that and sit on it and not react mm. and just in kind of and kind of ear again, even as an assistant, you can be a leader in that because Absolutely. because the, the the worst thing that I've experienced with with somebody who was in a leadership role mm. was that that your attitude um, was inconsistent, mm. you know, so you, we could have 10 years of a great relationship, but if, but, if, but if you react in a, in an unfavorable way, that 10 years can get blown away in, yeah. in a half a second. Absolutely. That's hard guys. Cause we're human. We all make sure. mistakes, you know, Heck but yeah. it's just trying to do what you can and, and, and meet them at where, where they're at. Like you said, you know, and I think it comes from just loving people, man. If you truly genuinely love people, you, you're going to care about them. And, and, and I, and I heard this, this is, this helped my life big time. Communication is the response you get back. So if you're not getting the right response, don't point the finger, use the thumb because communication is the response you get back. Some people, you've just got to come along. Let's do this together. Some people, you need to be a little bit more direct with because some people aren't getting it one way. You've got to communicate another way to get the best and bring the best out of people on different levels and with different personalities. So I think communication, if we get that, that communication is the response we get back, we'll stop using the finger and use the thumb a lot more to become a better communicator to bring the best out of those around us. And that can be applied with family, with our partner, with our parents, with our kids, with our colleagues, with our bosses, with our employees, because we're always communicating on every level, every single day. Yep. In my position, when I use my thumb, it's like this. <laughs> <laughs> Point at me, huh? Exactly. <laughs> but my fault is his fault. <laughs> At least you're using a thumb. <laughs> I'm going to give you a thumbs up. <laughs> There's no doubt. Oh, that's good. That's good. 
Richard Mana, you are an inspiration to us. Uh, I, I can't thank you enough for kind of hanging out with us today. Where, um, if people want to find you, where, 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 and how can they find you? Can they hang out with you? Absolutely. Firstly, thank you for having me. It's an honor and a privilege to be with you guys. They can find me on social media at Richard Mana, M for Mother, A double N for November, A H, or on Facebook. And if they want to reach out to me, they can always DM me as well. That's awesome. Richard, dude, again, thank you. I can't believe that an hour flew by just like that. So so crazy. Thank Thank you you so much. Yeah, dude. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us and and just, you know, I don't know. I don't even know I know how to get out of this because I'm so in awe. But uh, it's like, yeah, we can still talk for another hour. Like, you know, I think I, you know what that means. I think we need a a, a part two. Yes, you know, let's, get, part. let's get part one out, then we can release part two. <laughs> Sounds good. Awesome, Richard Manna. Thank you very, very much for joining us on your day. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find... Actually, you can. You can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>